If I was doing a book report, I would say this is man versus nature. Howdy, you're listening to Come and Take It, a talk show about Texas by Texans, where three friends born and raised in the Lone Star State share our views on the history, culture, and just what it means to be Texan. I'm Mike Zulkowski. I'm Sean McIver. And I'm Scott Elfstrom. While its economic roots lie in the petrochemical industry, Texas City is home to one of the precious jewels of the Texas Gulf Coast. It serves as the hub of tourism in the city, drawing boaters, fishermen, and beachgoers to its man-made shores. This episode, we're talking about the world-famous Texas City Dyke. But first, out of all the historical Texans we've discussed on the show, who do you think should have a giant statue dedicated to them, but doesn't already have one? I'll go first. I'm going to say, to match his ego, uh, LBJ needs a giant statue, because a giant statue is the only way to contain a personality of the magnitude of the the first Texan president. Mm. You know, I I think I'm going to go with another uh, famous politician. I'm going to say Ann Richard should have a giant stone statue, (laughs) simply for, I mean, you can say just simply for diversity, but also because uh, she was Texan down to her boots. Like, you know, take her or leave her. She was a true true blue Texan. Indeed. Now, I'd like to see a statue commemorating uh, our old friend from Texas history, Creed Taylor, oh, um, yeah. who kept popping up everywhere, you know, all those uh, many significant events in our history. But I think instead of one giant statue of Creed Taylor, they should make a bunch of tiny statues of Creed Taylor and scatter them throughout the state. Because you never know where he's going to pop up. <laughs> I, I, that one's great. I'm ready to stand up and give you like the slow clap from Rudy for that one, Scott. That's great. I, <laughs> I just like the idea of like going to some uh, random place in Texas and you, you turn around and you look and like, oh, look, there's Creed Taylor. Well, are they like the little garden gnome size small statues? Uh, I, I don't know. Maybe a little bigger. You never know. <laughs> well, hey, listen, folks, do yourself a favor and go back in the archives and listen to the Creed Taylor episode because that is an incredibly crazy story of history. Texas City, founded in the early 1900s, faced a dilemma. The business leaders felt like they had a prime location for shipping on the coast of Galveston Bay, but the shallow waters weren't deep enough to support the same kind of traffic that could reach Galveston or even Houston. So, and against the recommendation of engineers, they dredged a channel directly across the bay's natural channel. It worked after a fashion. Ships were able to get to the port of Texas City, but the natural currents worked against their efforts such that the channel had to be dredged almost continuously to keep silt from filling it back in. Eventually, with the help of local businessman Hugh Moore, the Army Corps of Engineers was authorized by the River and Harbor Act of 1913 to build a protective dike to direct the flow of bay waters in such a way as to protect the Texas City ship channel. The initial structure was made of stacked timbers, which cost... $1.4 million, and it was completed in 1915. The channel didn't need to be dredged as often as that, and when it was, the silt recovered from the bottom of the bay was deposited on top of the dike. Since it was just a pile of wood, however, it would eventually wash off and continue to get in the way. From early on, leaders in Texas City knew that the dike could be a great draw for recreation as well as protecting the channel and the coastal area. But for that to happen, it would need to be a more permanent structure. You can't uh, draw people to go to a beach that keeps washing away. So Moore continued to lobby the Corps to build permanent bulkheads to stave off erosion. But even though they eventually did add a rubble mound formation to the, the timbers to give it a little more permanence, 
which happened in 1932, they weren't interested in anything more permanent. They didn't think it was a good use of time and materials. Uh, fortunately, Moore's wife, Helen, was a member of the Texas House of Representatives. Um, in an effort to get more control, um, and with her assistance, the legislature passed a bill in 1931 that patented or granted gifted the land and coast upon which the dike rested to Texas City itself so that uh, they could control their destiny a little more. Uh, this patent covered, um, with the original timber structure at its center, a strip 1,000 feet wide stretching the length of the existing dike, which was about 5.3 miles at the time. Uh, this included all of the submerged land and tidal flats within that span, which normally falls under the control of the state. You know, the state owns the water and the, the coastline, usually. But in this particular case, it was given to the city. In the mid-1930s, the Works Progress Administration paid for improvements to the Texas City dike, including the addition of a more robust pile of rubble, featuring most notably granite blocks ranging from the size of a suitcase to something closer to a car. This has remained one of the more visually memorable features of the dike. In addition, the WPA constructed a paved road down the length of the dike, giving further access to a location that many wanted to turn into a destination for recreation. For all the improvements, the Texas City Dike continued to be a subject to erosion. For a time, the WPA continued to make repairs and improvements, often using whatever materials could be found on hand, including scrap cars, discarded bricks, and even garbage headed for the landfill. Finally, in 1945, his plan was submitted and reviewed to build more permanent retaining walls to prevent the dike from washing away. With the addition of the road and the threat of <clears throat> with the addition of the road and the threat of erosion much reduced, the Texas City dike was poised to become the destination that their its earliest proponents had always envisioned. In 1957, about 13 acres of land at the tip of the now 5.4-mile levee was leased to Clyde Ragsdale. He formed the Texas City Dike Corporation and began development. Eventually, there was a lighted fishing pier, a warehouse, a bait camp, and a refreshment stand all down there. Renovations continued for the next 30 years. An additional strip of land was granted to the city at the tip of the artificial peninsula, expanding the area available for development. By 1995, there was a 600-foot lighted fishing pier, offering some of the best deep-water pier fishing in the state. Advertising began to refer to the dike as, quote, the world's longest man-made fishing pier, and it served as a popular home base for many aquatic activities, including swimming, windsurfing, sailing, and fishing. By 2010, one of the dike's three boat ramps was the second most popular boat ramp on the entire Texas Gulf Coast. Commercial development continued up and down the Texas City Dive. At one point, it sported a hotel at the entrance on Bay Street and several bait camps and concessions. Regional events such as the Tackle Time Fish Competition and numerous boat races have used the dike as a base. The real attraction for many people, however, is the north-facing sandy beaches. Thanks to the dike's primary purpose of preventing sediment from reaching the Texas City Ship Channel, the North Galveston Bay-facing side has built up a long stretch of sandy beaches. The water is shallow and the waves aren't too big, but there are several picnic areas available and you can drive on the beach as long as your vehicles are street legal. I think they also allow golf carts. Uh, between the beaches and the four boat ramps, the dike draws more than 500,000 car visits every year. In addition to the dike itself, the surrounding area has been transformed over the years into a much larger destination for locals and tourists alike. In the early 90s, Bay Street Park was constructed, which stretches along Bay Street to the north of the dike. 
This includes about 50 acres of park and another 50 acres of freshwater lagoon. Facilities include pavilions, soccer fields, playgrounds, and observation piers for taking in the local wildlife. Now, the dike and surrounding area are a very popular birding location, with many people flocking there to see the flourishing brown pelican population and other seabirds. One of the major attractions of the park is the Wings of Heritage display, which chronicles Texas City's role in the early U.S. Army Air Force. We talked about this way back in our San Antonio Aviation episode. The 2nd Division of the U.S. Army was deployed to Texas City in the early 1900s to protect the coast from assault during the Mexican Revolution. They stationed nearly half of the nation's land. They stationed nearly half of the country's land military personnel there, and feared that the unstable Mexico would ally with Germany during the First World War. This included the First Aero Division. The Wright brothers themselves came here to instruct over a dozen students as military pilots, turning Texas City into the fertile ground from which the United States Air Force would grow. The hurricane in August of 1915 completely demolished the base. Nine soldiers were killed, and the 1st Aero Division promptly moved to San Antonio. And you can learn more about that in our San Antonio Aviation episode. Now, as a result of this legacy, um, looming over Bay Street Park as part of this exhibit, you'll find a stainless steel replica of a 1913 Burgess and Curtis biplane, which is typical for that era, and an F-100 Sabre fighter jet acquired from the Air Force, because fighter jets are cool. While the Texas City Dyke was originally constructed to serve as a blocking measure to prevent currents from filling in the ship channel, and then it developed into a destination for recreation, it also served another important purpose, storm surge protection. Positioned as it is on the Texas Gulf Coast, the Texas City area is vulnerable to tropical storms and hurricanes, including their potentially massive storm surges that push water inland on the approach, and really what does the bulk of the damage. The dike was formally integrated into the Texas City Lamarck Hurricane Flood Protection System in 1987. This system is an integrated array of levees, pump stations, dike, and seawall sections that are the last defense against rising waters from the bay when storms come around. Unfortunately, this system was not enough to protect the dike itself. In 2008, Hurricane Ike came to town. The storm made landfall on September 13th, hitting Galveston with 110-mile-an-hour winds and a 25-foot surge. At the Texas City Dyke, that surge was only 11 feet, but it was enough to completely submerge the entire peninsula. Every building was washed away and the road so eroded that it was nearly impassable. Although the dike itself was intact, only the pilings on the docks and piers remained of the once popular recreational structures. The Texas City Dyke was closed for two years. Even though debris from the storm was quickly removed, there was no safe way for people to enjoy what it had to offer. Texas City and Galveston County worked with FEMA to raise the funds necessary to reconstruct the facilities. On September 11, 2010, the Texas City Dyke reopened to the public. For the first time, access is gated and requires a $5 permit for people from out of town. Texas City residents are issued a free car sticker for their own use. These fees go toward maintenance of this still extremely popular place to play. In May 2016, the Texas City Commission approved more than $400,000 in funds to go toward improving the area on and near the dike. These improvements include new pavilions and a trail on the adjacent Bay Street Park, assistance for the refurbishment of nearby oyster reefs dam damaged by Hurricane Ike, and a shrimp boat pier on the dike itself. This action coincided with the 100th anniversary of the structure's construction on June 1st. 
Yeah. So uh, if you've been to Texas City, um, hopefully you've been to the dike. It has been a few years. <laughs> it has been a few um, years since you got married. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, the, the Texas City dike is, is something, again, um, growing up there, it was just, you know, it's like any local destination. It, it's the place to go. It's like it's the only real beach in the area that's uh, unless you go to Galveston. Um, the beach is on the bay side, so it's not like you're looking out at the Gulf of Mexico, but it's still a nice place to go, especially, you know, when you're local. You know, it's a cool thing. Like, it's, it, there's a lot of structures, like, um, there's a lot of things that are, that are made by man. I mean, that's why this is, I put this in the, uh, if I was doing a book report, I would say this is man versus nature. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's neat. There's a lot of, like, kind of these cool structures of, you know, we're going to turn this into a port. You can't bring a ship in here. Psh, says who? Give me that dredge. And then, you know, it, <laughs> uh, you know, I think it goes to to say a little bit about uh, about Texas that we're going to we're going to dredge up this, create a, a a false reef and uh you know, put in a giant dike so that we can keep this uh, channel from getting washed out so that we can put in a big uh chemical factory here. Yeah, so it was what what 20 30 minutes away from your house growing up, Scott? What? The dike? Yeah. It's like five minutes. Okay. Yeah. Five minutes, ten minutes. I mean, it's it's all right there. What I really think is kind of, I mean, first of all, like, again, I mean, we say it all the time, but, you know, Texas City is a real place. Texas City, Texas is actually a place. It's not made up. Um, but, it, but it, you know, it's this kind of cool thing. And it, it's neat that it became a local destination, a place to fish, a place to surf, a place to, you know, the Texas if people, I think, have this vision in their mind of what they saw in that horrible history series channel uh, show, Texas Rising. You know, the, <laughs> everything in Texas looks like Tombstone. But we yeah. have, you know, there's, um, you know, there's all these wonderful. The Gulf Coast is like rich and wonderful, and there's all this the seabirds and the the tourism and just stuff mm -hmm, to yeah. enjoy. It's great. Oh, I say, and it's, you know, growing up that was after. The, the football games, uh, people would go out to the dike and cruise around out there um, adjacent to the dike, which uh, we didn't really go into detail on. And part of that uh, levy flood control system is um, the uh, the seawall, we called it the, the levee, going uh, kind of north from the dike uh, parallel to the shoreline that had on top of it Skyline Drive, which is like this big multiple mile long road that's just this long stretch of asphalt that you go out there and cruise down out at the tip of that where that turns it's a big windsurfing spot because the winds come in off the bay and, and churn up the surf and uh, a lot of people go out there you know it's just as local places go um, I'll always be very very pleased with uh, my time on a Texas City dike again it was the place that uh, fish were weighed in for tackle time so we'd often go down there to see the the sharks and whatever else people picked up out on the bay well, I tell you what's really cool is, is that, <clears throat> you know, listen, go to Google Earth, put it in like the satellite mode so you can see the satellite pics. They have super high res images. So you can actually look, look you know, get a nice bird's eye view of, uh, of, of the dike. Uh, another thing that I think is funny about Texas beaches, especially if you talk to people from California, they talk about all the things you can't do on, they'll talk about how great their beaches are, then they tell you the things you can't do on them. So you can drive on the beach in Texas. Like that's that's one nice thing is you can load all your stuff in your car, on your truck or your car. You can drive it onto the beach, and then you can 
unload all your all your sun you know Sunday fun day stuff and take it with you. So yeah, I, so come I mean, hey to come to Texas, take a vacation to the beach in Texas. Yeah, you know, and that's the thing is that area that first of all that area has really grown up a lot, not just Texas City but the general area around it. There's a lot of really fun things to do down there. Uh, I mean, Galveston is always still a lot of fun, uh, but they also have. Uh, you know, the stuff in Texas City at the Dyke, they also have the Kima Boardwalk, which is not far away. And there's a lot of, you know, there's great stuff to do there. There's beaches all over the place that you can go to. Texas City has a really, really nice little water park uh, that's a city water park. And you can take, if you've got little kids, it's great because the splash pad and, a, and slides and stuff like that for the little kids. So go take a vacation down in, down in Texas City area uh, and and enjoy your time in the cradle of Texas there. Well, there you go. Can't ask for a better endorsement than that. Tell you what, come and take it. And the yeah. good folks at Brainstaple, we endorse Texas City as a vacation destination. <laughs> yeah. Yet, a, yet huh? another vacation destination we've highlighted on this show. Yeah, it's there the go. city by the bay. Yeah, call up, call up, call up uh, uh, Charlie Elstrom and uh, get him to you know get you a sticker for your car to go to the dike. And... Call, yeah, call up Gigi Elstrom. Say we're coming to town, Gigi. <laughs> don't don't call Scott's mom. She probably wouldn't no. appreciate that. <clears throat> no, she would be very accommodating. Actually, she would be. Her. She's a wonderful lady. But but yeah. leave her alone. Leave her alone, our listeners. No, hi mom. <laughs> Um, one last thing about the dike. We've said it several times, but I still think it's cool that uh, in the movie Terms of Endearment, uh, in the scene where they're driving the Corvette on the beach and, and all of that stuff, um, that was shot on the beach of the Texas City Dike. So oh, I didn't know that. I knew that it was shot somewhere in Texas. To my knowledge, that's, that's where awesome. it was shot. I, I've heard that story, so it may be apocryphal, but... Um, you I'm can drive on the beach it. in Texas. Now, this is I'm going to go with it. Man. This is a history podcast. If you say it, this is now a referenceable source. So if anybody knows the people at IMDb, let's get that fixed. That wraps things up for today. You can find notes and links from today's show at brainstable.com. We'd love to hear from you, so like and share us on Facebook, follow the show on Twitter at Texas Podcast, or go to brainstable.com and leave some feedback. You can find our show and many other great history podcasts at historypodcasters.com. Why not follow us individually, too? I'm on Twitter at Mr. Java. I'm Max Sean with two ends. And I'm Scotticus. You love this show. You love Texas. And hey, let's go to the beach. So call your friends and tell them to download this show and leave a review on iTunes as you drive to the Texas beach to go fishing or surfing. That really helps us out. And if you'd like to support the show financially, please visit patreon.com slash texaspodcast, where you too can become a come-and-take-it Texas Ranger. We hope you'll join us next time, and remember that even if you aren't from Texas, Texas wants you anyway. <laughs>